Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always such a gift to connect and to drop into these monthly medicine episodes. Thank you so much for being here. Um, We have quite the powerhouse of a month ahead of us uh, in the form of April's medicine. Uh, we'll get right to it, but uh, before that, just want to kind of honor and name that we are still mo- moving through, excuse me, Mercury's shadow. Mercury has gone direct, but as many of you know, we move through several days of a shadow. For some people, the Mercury shadow period is a lot harder than the Mercury retrograde period. I'm usually one of those people. This one isn't so bad for me, but... Um, there are more things bubbling up for me than there were during the retrograde. So if you're kind of feeling a sense of discomfort, um, one thing that's really been coming through during this time, even if folks are not super sensitive to mercury shadow, is that we might be feeling like we have a lot in the body, but can't kind of get it out of the body. Like this sense that we want to move, run, explode, explore, like, um, our legs are restless, our mind is restless, you know, kind of energy. Um, Because we're still kind of shifting out of Piscean energy in the midst of like the huge intensity of Aries. So if that's you, like, you know, just letting you know, I see you, it's totally normal. Um, It doesn't feel great, (laughs) but it's normal. Um, And there's also quite a bit of activation energy going on right now from a real energetic perspective. There's a lot happening kind of above the planet right now with the sun and it's a lot happening under the planet right now, like the core of the planet, the plates. There's quite a bit happening, quite a bit of movement. Um, And if you've been kind of feeling like time is a little fuzzier, you kind of get somewhere and you sort you sort of can't quite track that how you got there. Um, not literally like you were unconscious, then you woke up and you know, that's different, but there's kind of a blurring right now that's happening between, you know, probably, you know, my teacher would probably say like the old way and the way that's coming, but kind of this braiding of what was and what will be, which sounds really out there, but I think if you check in, you'll notice that probably some of this has been happening in your life too, maybe in different ways. Um, It's been a very powerful time for kind of seeing old lineage stuff. And um, if you've been working a lot with grief, you know, part of the grieving right now is sort of to make very clear, very obvious, like what we didn't understand before. That's kind of being made clear to us now. Um, patterning that we've carried, carried, carried for so many generations. It's kind of all like, like we're seeing it all. Um, but remember like, and again, this is something that I, you know, is lessons and wisdom that I've, you know, has been passed down to me from my teacher as well. The core of it, but like my teacher, Michelle, but you know, remember like the body is like the vessel for all of this activation. So we always talk about the activation. We always talk about the energy and like 
all that, but the it's all got to kind of, Michelle always says, like run through the body. <laughs> so we can get lots of different body feelings um, and not quite connect that they have to do with this kind of upgrading energy that we're in right now. So those are really, you know, as I often say, like on these podcasts, like sometimes I use really cliche languaging because, you know, it's a, in this case, the cliche is a cliche for a reason that we are really always activating and upgrading. Um, sometimes that happens in a way that some can feel others can't depending on who and what we're communicating with. So some people may hear what I have to say and they may not resonate with it at all. That's the beauty of kind of like checking in and tuning in with a bunch of different folks is that, you know, some people hit it for us and some people don't, but there really is kind of this collective thing happening and it has to do a little bit with the slingshot into the month of April, which is really where Aries season kind of cooks the highest, um, I think a lot of us really know, <laughs> at least I do as an Aries son for sure, that like March Aries season is really different than April Aries season. And, you know, this one, you can never can't tell with Aries, uh, the energy of the sign. It really could be very intense for some of us, like the feel of it. But the medicine, the cards that were pulled, the, the um, I must have mantra, uh, the phrase is what I would prefer to use. Um, kind of the saying, the channeled saying for April, which is release and receive, um, is really like a big part of, um, kind of backing up. There's just a lot more directed work in April, which is really a gift because last year we moved through a Mercury retrograde in Aries through basically all of March, all of April. And it ended almost on the exact day, like two days before Taurus season. And so we weren't even out of Mercury's shadow by the time Taurus came around. So pretty much all of Aries season was spent kind of like in the thick of this very uncomfortable, very intense Mercury retrograde. That was 2018. So as everyone knows, in 2019, we moved through Mercury retrograde in Pisces, which was intense and yet very complimentary for a retrograde season. Because although I, and you know, this is actually the first retrograde in 2019 that I have experienced some of like the classic Mercury retrograde things like technology and like goofs and all that shit, you know, um, yeah, just, uh, it's, it's been a strong one. Um, and we've seen in the news an incredibly strong retrograde for literal technological stuff happening, um, with Boeing and the planes and everything. Obviously that's a huge, um, huge tragedy. Um, there's just like, there's been a lot of draw, but if we embrace the retrograde last year was almost impossible. It was just constant discomfort for many of us this year, you know, with Mercury retrograde in Pisces, we were really supported in dropping into retrograde energy, which is not always necessarily what we want, but if we can embrace it, it can really be quite beautiful. Um, and you know, this year, 2019 in the month of April is really, really special because we're basically just fading out of the shadow once April hits. So that leaves us with the first 
really clean, clear, straight arrow energy in April, in Aries season that we've had in a little while, at least a year. So there's a lot to be said for that. This April, April's also really, really powerful because obviously we're kind of in the stage of the tarot. You know, we can work with the tarot in this really beautiful way. We can work with it linearly, right? If we're talking about major arcana, we can go from the fool to the world numerologically. And that is the order in which the tarot flows. It's the fool's journey. There's also another way to work with it, which is to start on March 21st on the day of the spring equinox. And we can work with anything. We can work with Samhain on Halloween. We can work with the solstices. We can, anywhere that it feels like the year begins for you, that's where we can start moving through. And I really prefer to, and it just feels completely right to me to start with Aries season, the first day of Aries, because Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. So whether or not we're experiencing spring right now or the beginning of fall, both are equally beautiful and symbologically, um, symbolically, (laughs) symbolically, um, having us be in the spring in the Northern hemisphere, the birth time and the death time in the fall, just the beginning of fall in the Southern hemisphere is quite symbolic, which is that the earth holds both. There's never any one way of anything. So even if we don't live on the other side of the planet, kind of honoring and keeping one eye on what the other side of the planet is going through will help to have us really understand the full scope of what a sign in this kind of powerful, energetic way is bringing in and thereby thinking about what is this cluster of tarot cards that comes from the first day of Aries to the solstice. Like, what are they? What are we working with? And obviously there is May 1st, which is a big celebration. Um, But kind of going from season to season, because solstice is the start of summer for us in the North, winter for those in the fall. There's a lot to be said for that. We're working with emperor with hero font we're working with lovers like there's there's potency here and we're kind of drifting into chariot a little bit but really that's kind of post solstice so that really happens kind of in the second spiral of the year so we're thinking about taking up space we're thinking about movement emperor is highly highly directed take up sacred space speak your truth kind of spread out Um, Look at your structure, look at your support system, kind of all of that is connected to Aries season and especially to April. So March, which is when kind of all this begins, those last kind of two weeks or so of March, is really kind of the lead time and April is really where we snap into that energy. So all that to say that this year, April as the month um, for 2019 is really working with and in balance with this sense of forward momentum and growth. It's very powerful to think about all that will be possible in this Aries season, this month that shifts from Aries to Taurus. Um, Think about the medicines we're working with. We go into April in emperor energy. We come out of April in hierophant energy, huge, essentially saying, who am I? What is my purpose? 
How do I take up space in the world? What's my soul kind of light? What am I beaming out? And then right when April is ending, we get a couple of weeks, a week and a half or so from the 20th on to be able to say in those 10 days, what's my truth? What am I saying? What am I communicating? How can I be flexible with what I'm learning and the truth for me? So we get to still work with that you know, from Aries to Taurus. So our, our teachers for the month in terms of Emperor and Hierophant are pretty powerful. And, um, you know, if you're curious about Emperor energy, last week I just did an, a whole episode on the Emperor that really helps to kind of decode. And in March I will do, or sorry, in um, a couple weeks at the end of May, April, I'll do one about the Hierophant too. So all this is sort of, setting the stage for this idea of release and receive. The deal with April is very, it's, it's quite big in its power, but it's very singular. It's like a very strong strike of a drum that really reverberates and reverberates and reverberates. Um, it's real simple. This month is a clearing out of a lot of stuff. I'm not even going to say all that doesn't serve you because that's, you know, when we're really done with all that doesn't serve us, like we're dead. (laughs) So it's not like, like everything, you know, will be gone that we don't like or doesn't serve us, but there's a real potential for clearing out. There's a lot that's going to get released this month. There's a lot that's going to end a lot that, um, we're going to get the opportunity to let go of. We're just, we're walking away. And it's not about we're being made to walk away. We're choosing to walk away. Very different. So there's a two-part medicine that happens in April. There's the clarity, the realization, something isn't working. And then, you know, this is still kind of that step one, the realization and the clarity that something is working, then linking it to our action, our choices, our words by saying, um, no, thank you effectively, you know, something ending, um, maybe that we're not choosing and having the wisdom and the courage to be able to say like, awesome. I totally trust that if you're not showing up, if this thing is completing, if, um, this is ending, that's okay. I can have my grief. I can have my feelings, but it's okay because if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. I don't need to fight that. You know, the second part of the medicine is the receiving. So we always say nature abhors a vacuum. Part of how we can link that understanding to spiritual soul work is by saying, in this case, leaving space, actually kind of clearing off the altar of the soul and saying, spirit, please place down whatever is meant to come from this is a big part of the second piece of the full picture. So there's kind of a lot of symbolic work about like two halves of a circle. You know, we can see it in terms of like um, a half moon, you know, where we're fully illuminated and fully in the depths at the same time. That's very much how we can start to look at all of this, that without the releasing, there is no receiving. So I want to start by inviting all of you who are listening, and I'm listening too, 
because I'm always in this with y'all, whether or not it feels or seems like it. We're we're together in this equals. But I invite you to think about what is it and like really bow to whatever comes up around this. What is it that you're not letting go of and why aren't you letting go of it? I'm not talking about not letting go of things because there's huge trauma, not letting go of someone like there, if it spikes up and there's a huge kickback and you're like, but I don't want to like, just, you know, again, breathe through that because that may not even be what I'm talking about. If you are fucking around with people who are just flat out, not nice to you, why is it that you're staying? What is it about that? What do you believe staying will do? What do you believe leaving will do? What is the truth? What is the belief? That's the first thing. Um, Second example, if you are fighting, fighting, fighting to make something happen, kind of believing that if you like work hard enough, it will come and it just isn't, um, why keep doing what hasn't been working? Is there another way for you to work hard without working in you've, in how you've been doing it directly? Sometimes the hard work comes from the push and the hustle, and sometimes it comes from bowing to the extreme discomfort and contraction that comes up with not doing. Sometimes it is that the work is the not doing. So those are like two examples of what I mean. I don't mean like letting go of something precious to you something where there's no evident, um, not working. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't always have to let go of every piece of fruit on our tree. I'm talking about fruit that weighs us down. That's actively not giving back to the tree. You know, what is it about that? Another thing too, is like, um, filling up our lives with things that take up too much space. So nothing can come in. Is there a pattern for you and for me and for everybody of staying a little bit too cluttered, too busy, too stressed out so that what we're actually wanting truly has no room to come in? Getting really clear about that is also important. So it's not about like anything being anybody's fault because sometimes like we do not have the privilege. We don't have the ability to like, quote unquote, let go. That's like we're honoring the fuck out of that always, always. Sometimes we want to leave situations and we literally can't do it. So really honoring that. April is not necessarily just about the thing that we want to release going, but it is very much about what is it that it's teaching me by being here? Is it a reflection to me of my threshold of receiving? Is it a reflection to me of this is the level of chaos that I'm comfortable with. Some part of me, is it a reflection to me that this is not how I deserve to be treated and loved? Sometimes we have to learn through contrast. I have to learn through contrast often. And sometimes when that happens, what I mean by contrast is 
this idea of something being mirrored to us that's like exactly the opposite of what we want. <laughs> that really provides context for like what we do not wish for. And that's that's an example of contrast. So when something is a complete clusterfuck and we're kind of like, oh my God, this isn't working, we can really begin to honor that as an experience of contrast. So that's um, an example. Even if you don't necessarily like quit your job, break up with that friend, like leave that situation in the month of April. And even with that, you may. But even if we don't do that, it's about thinking about why. Why? What are we doing with this? What are we afraid might come if we don't? What are we afraid of? Why are we believing that we need to stick with this? So it's about looking at all of the the full sphere around our relationship with releasing and allowing things to go when they're ready. And I also want to speak to that because it's a huge part of April's medicine. Sometimes in life, we're in a fall. We're in an autumn time. The leaves are ready to go off of the tree. And it can be very, very, very subtle to differentiate when we're in an autumn and the leaves are dead and bare and they're just not fucking leaving the tree. And we've all been there. That's kind of hangman energy where it's like um, we're kind of waiting for a cycle to be complete because secular completion is a huge part of hangman energy. So um, like fully moving through the whole thing so we can let go of it and be available for death and then rebirth in temperance. That's kind of what that third, um, that three-parter has to do with. Um, the preparation for death, death, and then rebirth. That's those three. But sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes the wind is there, the leaves are flying off, and we grip onto them. That's another thing to think about in our relationship this month with re- with releasing is why exactly that we do that. There's no shame in that. Everyone does that. Everyone grips onto the side of the cliff. Everyone grips onto what feels safe. Everybody does it. If we've opened a business, we've worked our fucking asses off and our heart just isn't in it anymore, we might get sign after sign after sign after sign to sell or to uh, release it or to whatever. And sometimes we're ready, but it's not coming yet. And that's appropriate. Other times the leaf is off and we're holding it on there with like fucking scotch tape and staples. And we want to really be aware of if we're doing that. That's another deep gift of April this month in terms of the relationship between releasing and receiving. So that's all kind of having to do with the releasing aspect. Now the receiving. Receiving, as we know, is very hard. It's not easy to receive, not for anybody. We can work up to it where our receiving ideally gets a little bit more dilated and a little bit more dilated and a little bit more dilated so that we just keep going up with what we're willing to receive without shrinking or running away. doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable, but we can keep expanding that threshold, 100%. So when we think about receiving knowing and honoring that it's really fucking hard to receive, that kind of makes all this release inquiry that much more important to clarify. Because when we're not clear, we can just keep letting in any fucking thing to keep the receiving on the lower end. 
And that's sometimes how we can get tripped up. That's a big part of April too, is again, you mentioned this a little ways back, but like, are you keeping your life so full of bullshit that there's no room to receive? Sometimes that's the only reason why we just keep these people in our lives. We don't know why the hell we do it. We don't know why we're taking the time. We kind of don't know why we're like on and on and on the hamster wheel and why the things we want aren't coming. And some of it does actually totally have to do with our innate fear and resistance to receive. And keeping that space will do wonders to not let shit in. That's just the, that's just the truth of it. That sometimes just even that will keep things out that we say we really want, but you know, our actions say otherwise. So receiving, this is kind of in an amazing way this month, kind of combining the yearly cards that were in hangman and, and empress. We're kind of really getting to work with them in this like infinity loop swirl like it's like a swirly cone of like <laughs> really good hangman really good empress energy like real sweet um little cone of those two energies kind of working in this microcosmic way in the month while macrocosmically they kind of hang over the whole year like a like a rainbow of sorts um receiving how do you feel about it are you comfortable with it likely no, nobody's comfortable with receiving. That's totally okay. No shame, no judgment for that. I'm not comfortable with receiving, um, at my level, but there are things that I worked on three years ago that I'm now comfortable with. And there are things that are new to me that I'm not. So we're always doing that work. And the kind of like universal experience is that all of us are somewhere on our journey with receiving. <laughs> um, we may not all be at the same place, sorry, just adjusting. Um, we may not all be at the same place, but we're surely doing the work in, um, in one way or another, in one place or another. So don't, um, don't guilt yourself for that. Actually letting life clear out what doesn't serve this month. will make room for what we want more of. We'll make room for something that wants to come in to nurture and nourish and fill us up. If we can be courageous enough to let it go when the wind comes to be able to say, okay, I'm going to honor all my grief, all my feelings. Those can exist at once, but I'm also not going to stay in something that I know is no longer serving me. I'm going to trust the winds and I'm going to let it go. That's one way that this card can come in this month and do huge work for us. Another way is if we start noticing how we're holding on life has already come, but how we're holding on to something. Can we let that go and make room confronting our discomfort? Because there's something very magical and in the beauty of Aries, very direct, very finite, very, very clear, and potentially very, very fast about the way that things can come out in order to make room for stuff that is a little bit more escalated and elevated, um, stuff that we'd really rather prefer. Um, there is great potential for that this month. It also doesn't mean that it's not going to come with lots of feelings. It doesn't mean that it won't come with um, big grieving, big letting go. In fact, like, you know, there's a, there, you know, I think, I think overall, 
Um, Aries is pretty misunderstood. And I, I feel that way about a couple of the signs, actually, um, over culturally. It's not just because I'm an Aries. I think kind of Scorpio is a little misunderstood, too. And um, I, I think a lot of signs, actually, <laughs> um, are a little bit like uh, underplayed or certain aspects of them are overplayed. Um, and we kind of miss the heart and the meat of what is really useful about learning about astrological significance, which is like, what are we here to master? And one of the things that I think is important about remembering, not about Aries people, but just about the season, because we all move through, obviously, the season um, together in this way, is that part of Aries energy is like we're going from birth canal to life in Aries energy or from womb to life or from the cocoon to the butterfly because Aries is the newborn. So with the newborn, there has to be an honoring of leaving <coughs> whatever that placenta was. If we're uncomfortable with that, obviously, whatever that cocoon was, whatever that kind of former container was, and now we're in what we're in. There's always a grieving of that container, whether or not we are consciously aware of it. There's an adjustment period that has to happen. So a lot of this is very much like grief is very rolled into Aries season. It's a good time. It's, you know, it's a good time and it's a time for kind of like moving, but we're kind of letting go of the cocoon of Pisces and moving into, excuse me, Aries. And I think there's something important in that, especially as these themes play out this month. Um, it's very important collectively, whether we see this kind of happening to us or not, there's a lot of uh, potential for not just because there's many ways that release and receive again can come up for us. It can come up just in us understanding patterns that we didn't before. Maybe nothing physical changes for you at all. You are still empowered, still supported in clarifying for yourself, oh, fuck, that's why I do that. Because I'm fucking afraid of being vulnerable, letting anyone in. I'm afraid that it's not loving. I'm afraid that I'm not being open when it's really like, we just don't need to deal with nonsense anymore. Or we can trust that spirit has something a little better for us than what is currently here. All that to say that you could also have unbelievable earthly physical changes this month. Huge potential for transformation if we can let it, if we're there for it. So without further ado, here are the cards that we have for this month. Pretty powerful themes. Um, the medicine for the month ahead is Eight of Cups. Very, very powerful. This was the card that really spoke to me the most and helped me to understand the tone of this release. So Eight of Cups is kind of interesting because it can it conveys many different things at once. Eights in the tarot are always crazy, powerful transformation. We're leaving something behind, stepping into something else. Very powerful, very fast. Not an accident that it's kind of like an infinity loop tipped upright. So with any eight, we go into it one way, we come out of it different. We come out of it changed. So eight of cups 
is a profound card, a profound card on the arc of the cup's journey. It is because of the eight of cups that 10 of cups can happen. Without eight of cups, there's no 10 of cups. Without being able to walk through the deep fires of letting go, as this card invites us to, and by the way, it doesn't matter if this is a water card, they can still be fire, everything's flexible. This experience requires real courage. So we can say, without walking through the fire, of this energy, this deep watery flow, there is no opportunity to get to the 10 of cups, which is really might not be getting everything we want because this is life, but it is um, happiness and trust and appreciation for what is, even if we don't have everything we want. 10 of cups is ease. It's happiness with everything that we have. Without going through the eight, there's no 10. So this is one of the most significant cards in the tarot as well as being one of the most significant eights in the four eights that are present. And, you know, it's also really powerful to think about the fires of this kind of thing because our eight in the tarot, unless you roll with a, a justice ruled eight, which is totally fine. Um, but the uh, strength card ruled by Leo, it's a very powerful heart-centered decision. So very important to look at that. Eight of cups simply means that we have worked our balls off for something. We've collected those eight cups through blood, sweat, and fucking tears. We've put our heart into it, our back into it, our soul into it. Look at all that being has to go through on the cup suit to come to where they are with those eight cups. Huge, huge work, huge honoring. We must bow to that and honor it. And there also comes a moment in this card where we choose, even though we worked very hard for what we have, we choose to walk away in the hope of something a little bit more aligned. This being is finally realizing that the cups that they've collected, how they've collected them, is not exactly in alignment for them. And in essence, they're not leaving anything behind. They're taking all the memories, all the experience, all the lessons. Nothing's lost and nothing's wasted in this card. But we are observing that something that has been cherished, loved, built, created, woven, is just not serving us in the way that we want it to anymore. So we are empowered, supported in all directions when we pull eight of cups to cut the cord. And in fact, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the time, obviously not in all decks, but in the Smith Rider way, the pagan other worlds, there are many, many cards, um, that reflect a moon in this card, many decks rather that have a moon in this card and water in this card. And it's partially because we're taking a lunar journey. It's not solar. We're not seeing kind of like the straight line, all the answers. We have no guarantees in this card. It's not like we're guaranteed to get something better. It's kind of a teeny little fool energy, this card too, because even though it's very emotional and we're kind of leaving in the middle of the night, not sneaking away, but walking through a journey of unknowns to get to the next steps, we don't really have guarantees. And here's the thing, we don't have guarantees in life, period. So when it comes to trusting ourselves and saying, you know, I do feel complete, 
with this thing. I do feel complete with that thing. We're kind of letting go of the skeletal structure, the old snakeskin of this thing that it used to be and moving on to something different. When I was a reader professionally, um, cause I just teach now, but, um, I read as my full-time job for years, um, this card a lot of the time came up around businesses. It didn't always come up around relationships. Sometimes it did, but usually this card is referred to as the breakup card. I highly encourage you to not limit yourself like that because it may not have anything to do with any other person in your life and certainly not a relationship. It could be a relationship with where you live, the city you live in. It could be that you like opened up a fucking bakery and you're ready to not have a bakery anymore. It doesn't mean that you didn't love it. It was never a failure. It's just simply that your heart is moving you in a different direction. This is healthy. We want this. We want to keep evolving and changing. It is boring as fuck to be doing the same thing for the rest of your life. So what is it that you are ready to leave behind? There's something for everyone this month, even if it's just an idea. What are you getting clear non-reactive, simple, potent knowing I'm complete with this at this time. If you know it, if you can trust it, if you can embrace the grief, the emotions, the feelings that come along with it, you will be, and this is true of Eight of Cups, completely supported in walking away. If it's in the highest and best for you, it is for everyone, even if people's egos get involved even if they're unhappy with you. That's okay. They can be unhappy with you. My always my teacher Michelle always says, be gracious enough to let them think that you're the problem. You can be gracious enough to let anyone who doesn't like your eight of cups decision to think you're the problem. If you choose, you will be supported through the leaving behind and you will be totally opened to anything that wants to come through this or better, something better. Remember, it's we can see some proof. We cannot have 10 of cups, which is the sweetest of the sweet, the, the most beautiful of the beautiful. Cannot have that card without the eight. It's something to bear in mind, something to remember and to pay attention to. And speaking of that, what we're being invited to pay attention to this month is four of swords. We will need time and rest this month to move through this. We will need space. We will need space to grieve, space to rest, space to like renew. The body is the vessel that runs all this huge electrical activation energy through it. The body needs more rest than often we're aware of during these times. So take the best idea that your brain has in this four energy and create a little you know, energetic container around you, create some space and some time to be able to give yourself like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, get up a little earlier in the morning, stay awake a little bit later and just do your soul work around it. Give your body enough space to rest. And, you know, a lot of the time we can beat ourselves up by just saying like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm always so tired. I'm napping. I'm like, why am I still sad about this? We don't want to be misogynistic. I mean, we don't want to um, we don't want to be projecting patriarchal misogynist ideals onto the grief timing of our bodies. We're always doing that. 
I do that too. It's a big thing that a lot of us are unlearning right now, that we've been unlearning forever. And it's okay for things to take as long as they take for you, for me, for anyone. So what kind of the mindfulness bell of the month is to really come back to this idea of rest and of gentleness being possible in the midst of this big letting go. So let's say something fucking hella exciting happens for you. Let's say you realize that you're going to move or an opportunity arises or, you know, like one of those things that like is like a dreamy thing that all of us kind of like hope for a little bit. Let's say that that happens to you. That's not one linear experience of joy and excitement. There's a lot of questions. <laughs> it's a lot of contraction. It's a lot of like, holy shit, can we do this? Like there's nervousness along with all that big change. And the body will inevitably need a little space, a little time to rest and get used to it. So really give yourself that space. Um, the lesson of the month is seven of wands. Very, very powerful. I really spent a lot of time like kind of bowing to this card because I think when it comes up in a reading, it's very complex. Um, I think very powerful experience. So the lesson, when you think about this idea of lesson, it's this kind of like we often forget, like lessons are not always easy. Sometimes they are hard. Um, when we get what is kind of over-culturally known as like a sweet card in this position, we can think like, oh my God, that's so great. I have high priestess in the lesson, or I have 10 of pentacles in the lesson. Um, not to like put a lid or a damper on the fun, but Learning about high priestess sometimes means like no one comes through for you so that you can hear your own guidance. So that means like your phone calls might go unanswered for the month because you're being invited to know and listen to yourself. If you have 10 of pentacles in your lesson, a lot of that has to do with releasing family legacy work. So it's not like we get off the hook when things are hard or when we're kind of going through these definitions of the cards being quote good or bad, which, you know, is like one of my bugaboos because they're all good. Um, but obviously we're allowed to look at them any way we want to. Seven of Wands is a card that requires a very fine touch because it blurs the line very easily. Sometimes in life, it is important to stand your ground and hold strong. If your land is in jeopardy, if you are being challenged, we this is a card that can be about standing your ground, looking right into the eye of the person who's challenging you and saying, fuck you, I'm not going anywhere. That is 100% what this card can be. It also has a completely different meaning that is just as strong, which has to do with hypervigilance. So sometimes when we're on like kind of a peak, if it feels like we're kind of on a high, on a hill, if it feels like we've kind of earned a spot up high somewhere, or we're part of a structure where we're being fed, seen, nurtured, nourished in some way. 
shit can start to happen with the ego where we can start feeling like because we're higher, we're going to get knocked down. And so then what starts to happen is we start being overly hypervigilant. We start looking at people and thinking, well, they want to take me down or they're copying me or this or that. Or, you know, if I let go of this, someone else is going to come and do it. There's nothing to be ashamed of with those feelings because it's an egoic experience and we all have egos and it's okay to have those feelings. There's part of a reason that seven of wands like exists in a tarot deck. And that's because we all have these feelings from time to time where we get kind of the illusion of being higher or not above people, but just like we've, we've earned something. We've worked our asses off and we're up in a space. And that's already egoic, but that's okay. Because again, we, we all have egos for a reason. <laughs> and then, but the higher you think you are, the more the brain will play the opposite end of it and will go, but who's, who could potentially be up here? When am I going to get taken down? And when we have that idea of things, um, it makes us really unavailable for presence. So sevens always in the tarot, have to do with an internally rooted situation that we think is external. So with the latter example of the cards meaning, um, it's very easy to pull seven of wands and be like, oh yeah, yeah, like everyone's trying to take me down right now. Or yeah, everyone's challenging me right now. Like, and I need to be strong. I have to fight them. Sometimes, occasionally, there's some truth to that, not quite in that way, there's truth to it that can connect us with this peaceful warrior idea of like, I can be calm and centered and stand my ground and not make anyone out to be an enemy. They're just kind of bringing something and we're responding to it or not in some way. That's ideally how we would work with that idea. But when there's kind of like paranoia, when there's really like a belief, like someone is bringing, actively bringing something to tear me down, to take me away, then we want to look at, are we, are we flicked into hypervigilance? So there's always, like, I, I think that seven of wands is one of the deepest meditations for me because ego aside, if you've worked very hard for what you do and you have a certain measure of success, inevitably there are people who do try to tear you down and that's not paranoid. That's human nature too, unfortunately, that, um, People who shine really brightly are often really um, feel really threatening to people who are not yet comfortable with those parts of themselves. Um, sometimes when we're shining really brightly with material that we've created or teachings that we have, they make other people who receive them feel so good that they think, well, I want to teach people this too, rather than internalizing it and saying, yeah, wow, this person shining in their teachings is making me realize that I have teachings because we all do. And I want to be open to what they are. I want to walk and I want to see how I can shine in this way. But there can be a confusion where we think that person did it. I want what that person does. And sometimes it can even flip to the opposite where we have situations where people go, I actively don't like what you're doing. And that's also, um, you know, sometimes people are really problematic and that's appropriate. And other times it's like, um, we're just threatened. We're just jealous. 
So, or they're just jealous. And that's like, you know, that's why I think the wands are really underestimated in every retreat I've ever taught. And I've taught quite a few. People weep when we go through the wands, minors. There's always deep tears, hot, intense tears. Because what we're talking about is essentially how do you live in a way where the heart is opened, but the door is locked? How do you live in a way where you are tending to this, um, to our, to our work? We're tending to our lives, the branches on our tree. I don't want to necessarily say like tending to the land that is ours because that's pretty, uh, problematic languaging, especially from like a white settler in Turtle Island. But this idea of like the, the, the garden that exists in us and all the fruit that comes from it inside the heart, our teachings, et cetera, or our life's work, um, we can tend to that and also be really aware of the difference between someone truly being an asshole and just a simple word of conversation or, you know, standing our ground. It's kind of like, you know, if we do have material where, um, you know, I've lived through this, like if we have material that really is ours, sometimes people, if they feel threatened about that, will say, well, you didn't like, you know, you must have gotten it from somewhere without acknowledging all the work and labor that you've put into your work. And there's a lineage of teaching that's being honored. Um, there are times when the person who, with whom you're calling in will not, um, cop to being problematic. What the hell does all this have to do with monthly medicine? Because this is our lesson. And because when we start to let go of things, this little teeny thing can creep in where we can start being like, but what if somebody takes it? What if I let go and someone takes it? What if I let it go and there isn't anything left for me? Not just with this person, with this situation, with this thing, but what if the minute I set this out into the water, somebody snatches it and I will have regrets. So once again, with seven of wands being in this position, there's a big pendulum swing for what it has to do with and what it can represent. And that's okay. Ideally, we want to keep coming back to the truth, which is that we can't miss anything that's meant for us. Nobody can do our shit like we can do our shit. If we're letting go of a partnership or a relationship of some kind, and if we're feeling like we don't want someone to quote, get our partner or have our partner or whatever kind of egoic feelings we might have, that's for us to bow to, not to project. So it's kind of being in that middle space where we're aware of the big feelings, but we're staying centered where we can defend, justify, um, caretake what is what the fruits that have come from our garden. And if we're letting go of something, being really flexible with this idea that we can't be knocked off the hill because we were never on the hill in the first place. <laughs> There's no such thing. It just feels that way to the ego. We're always going down the road. Other people might be really ahead of us on their road, or but we're all headed for the same place. There's no getting ahead or taking away or stealing or anything, really. There's just... Um, 
There's just the beauty of holding it. So seven of wands is very complicated. It's pretty complex. It's especially complex to like live in it. But basically the lesson that it's bringing to us is be real flexible with the comings and goings of the energetic ups and downs. Be very, very flexible. Um, caretake what belongs to you, but you can also relax. If there's hypervigilance around like, you know, what if I let go of this bakery idea and somebody else does it and da 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 a lot of us have that. When I am, there was a really long time where, um, before I was kind of ready to stop doing readings. And once I was ready, I just didn't even care about any of this. Like none of it even, I was delighted. Um, but when I was a younger reader and less sure of like all of what I'm saying, you know, cause we're all, it's hard to believe this stuff till you've lived it for a little bit. Um, when I was a younger reader, like I used to get so afraid of not doing readings because I didn't want to lose my place. I didn't think that anyone would overtake me and I never thought about it. Like I had to overtake anybody, but I just felt like I'll lose something. If I stop, I'll lose momentum. People will forget about me. Um, and that's not like true, you know, like we can come and go take space. Um, nobody's even looking at us. People are just kind of doing their own thing anyway. So flexibility around that is really, really important. And that's a big part of what's coming up through that. What we're releasing this month in the month of April is the tower. So those sudden, intense, huge forest fires of clarity and then clearing Mars level stuff. We're letting go of that because that's not even the kind of releasing that we're doing this month. Really, the tower work is done. All of us prior to April have had towers about whatever. Our towers can be as intense as like, they can be intense, shocking, horrible tower experiences where all of a sudden the fabric of a delusion that we've had comes undone or, um, we're like fully aware we've got to leave our marriage. We have to leave our home. We've got to leave our job. We've got, you know, we've got to leave the city that we're in. Um, we can have those realizations, but then sit on them and be like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. We can also of course have situations where, um, we just kind of know something and it's far less dramatic. So in releasing this in April, the initial shock realization, um, the information, that came in about what didn't work. Um, the shock of it is ebbing and making way for action forward that is not so traumatic to the nervous system. Again, we're working with like eight of cups energy, which is the same idea of sort of like letting go of what doesn't serve, et cetera, walking away from what doesn't work in the hopes for better, um, which is why seven of wands is such an important lesson because it's really like setting the wand down, letting go and kind of making room for whatever. Um, but releasing the tower is really fucking great. It's a good sign because it means like we know kind of what we have to do. And if we're not aware of it or if we feel resistance to it, we can kind of dive a little bit deeper into why, but very, very strong, very, um, good blessings, good tidings that these cards, um, that this card is being let go. And then we have two cards for what the next cycle is and the seeds that we're planting to bloom open in April, which are Knight of Pentacles and Ten of Pentacles. So Ten of Pentacles, stepping into new legacies, letting go 
clearing out, cutting cords, letting go of deep old legacy, deep traumas, deep wounding, stepping into a place where our soul work is fully moving through us, stepping into a place where we're having way more abundance be potentially coming through to us, um, and doing so in a way that is really measured and timely. You know, Knight of Pentacles is not just, he's really, and actually the cards are not gendered at all, but this card, they're like Knight of Pentacles is not slow. Sometimes it can feel slow because it doesn't move until things are ready. Um, in fact, it once it gets going, it runs and can pace up with the fastest of the nights. Um, but really, it's about aiming. So it's about kind of aiming, waiting for the bow and arrow hits the bullseye. It's about kind of waiting until we are ready, until all pieces are in place. With the um, impulsivity, the nature of kind of like, I'll leap, I'll do it immediately, I'll do it yesterday with Aries that can sometimes come up, which is such a beautiful part of the sign and also like can get them into trouble. <laughs> um, with Aries season, there's a lot of, there's like a lot um, of potential for feeling like we have to rush something. And this is, there's no rushing. It's just like really letting things come one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. So that when we're ready to do it, when we're ready to let go of something, receive something, it's all happening in divine timing. And it's coming with 10 of pentacles energy, opportunity to evolve past what we know, opportunity to expand beyond um, the places that we've been that we're not working, opportunity to go way beyond what our family has done so that everyone's being served, so that the family line can continue to be healed. You know, um, all that stuff is really beautiful and really important, but um, also really lovely to bear in mind that this isn't like a rush job. This isn't like all these cards are actually quite measured. In fact, the only card that really like flies fast um, tower because it's connected to Mars, um, we're letting go of that. So this is kind of an upgraded, advanced Aries energy where we're doing things, we're moving along. We've got a knight in this situation. Knights are always the air, always the movers, like whew, moving us to the next time in our lives. But it's happening at a pace where we can like enjoy it and appreciate it and not lose our minds. So that's what's coming in. And then our teacher for the month the little guide on our shoulder is six of pentacles. So six of pentacles has to do with giving and receiving an equal measure, which just could not be a more perfect mirror to this whole energy around April's um, release and receive idea. Release and receive is exactly the key word, the key phrase for six of pentacles. When in the Smith Rider Wait, the man releases his coins to the people who really need the money, he is filling up. He is receiving through the charity that he's offering, through actually siphoning off his riches and giving it to people who need them, who've maybe even systemically been oppressed from making as much money as this person. He's making it a little bit more even. He's evening the playing field. Um, by those folks receiving 
they are literally absolving. Like there's a beauty and a connection between releasing and receiving that really happens in six of pentacles and fills everybody up. And another way of looking at it is like, if we're always the server, if we're always caretaking, serving, um, holding space in six of pentacles, we're the ones who gets, who get held. And if it's usually the opposite, it's vice versa, that sometimes our cup is so full that we're able to hold space for others. So with six of pentacles, asking for what we need, really being in right relationship with releasing and receiving. And don't worry about like from the head if we are. I mean, it's always good to be checking in about our, you know, our privilege and everything. Um, but in this context, very, very important to start thinking about it from the perspective of the feeling. Are we feeling like we have a lot to say, a lot to give, a lot to offer, and like we're kind of not doing it? Are we really feeling like we have um, we have a desire to hold space, the cup is really full, or is the cup super fucking empty and we want it to be filled up? Sometimes it's appropriate to reach out to other people who have a lot of room, they can give some to us. So that's kind of the beauty of what we're talking about. And then the astrology for April, um, impactful. And uh, obviously there's far more like Pluto goes retrograde in, um, on April 24th, I believe that is an enormous transit, but in terms of our moons, um, which is usually what I focus on just to keep it really simple and the attempt of tarot centering, um, we have a delicious, beautiful new moon in Aries coming up on the 5th of April. So it's just kind of this amazing blessing, this baptism in Aries energy. And then, um, the day before we go into the sun moves into Taurus, we have a full moon in Libra, which, you know, full moon in Libra can be very, very powerful and always is an illumination to what kind of isn't serving, what needs to be tilted, um, adjusted. Um, and of course, sun moves into Taurus on April 20th. So a lot of power there too. And I think that's it. I think that's all I want to talk about today. It feels complete. We've been going for an hour. It's a good one. Um, I am wishing everyone the most blessed, beautiful, bountiful April. Um, if you love this podcast, please go to iTunes, give us five stars. If you feel like reviewing us and saying something nice. I'll happily receive it. Thank you so much. If you want to share this app, please do so on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at wild soul healing and, um, at tarot for the wild soul, even though I literally never post on that Instagram because I'm a one woman show and I can't, uh, I can't keep up with everything. <laughs> Although I try, I will try to get better, but you can follow for past posts and possible future posts. Um, you can find more about me and my work at lindsaymack.com. And um, I currently have one offering that is for sale evergreen on my website called Trauma in the Tarot, which is uh, a little mini course on how to use the tarot for an as an anchor during um, moments of anxiety, depression, trauma for self-care. And... Um, workable tools to move through that using your tarot deck. So you can find that on lindsaymack.com. And uh, I'm really excited because we're cooking up a couple different things for other learning opportunities. And uh, we have one for the summer and one for the fall that 
are pretty top secret right now, but I'm pretty excited to share them in the coming, like you'll know about the next thing that we're doing next month. So I'm excited to share that. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Hope I didn't forget anything. Uh, I think... Oh, podcast is edited by Chase Voorhees. Podcast cover art is by Chelsea Iris Granger. And um, Tara of the Wild Soul is done by me, Lindsay Mack. So thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week for an Ask Lindsay. Until then, take care of yourselves. <laughs>